second chapter and the 18th verse. 1 John, the second chapter and the 18th verse. 1 John, the second chapter and the 18th verse. With the turmoil in Israel and Gaza this past week, it just seemed good to share this message today. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Little children, it is the last hour, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know it is the last hour. Notice if you would, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 3. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 3. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Titling this message and speaking for a few moments this morning on the Antichrist. The Antichrist. Now what is meant by the word Antichrist? Well, it is an opponent of Christ the Messiah. That which is against Christ. And more specifically, that which is against Jesus Christ. Notice the scripture said that the spirit of Antichrist is already at work in the world. And you need to realize that this spirit of Antichrist has been at work in the earth really ever since the Garden of Eden and man fell. Remember after the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He was speaking to the the devil. And he, the seed of the woman, shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel, is what God told the devil in the Garden of Eden after man had fallen. And we see from that time all the way down to the time of Jesus that the devil has done his very best to stamp out that group of people that would bring forth the Christ, the Messiah. And he has worked and done his level best to destroy Israel and to destroy the Jew because it's from that race that the Messiah would come. We see that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem and then as the next two years came and went that Herod the king, under the spirit and driven by the spirit of Antichrist, went forth and had all the little babies killed from two years of age, the male ones from two years of age and under, killed. What was that that was killing and driving the killing of those babies back in that time? Well, it was the spirit of Antichrist. And they were after one, and that would be Jesus Christ. And so ever ever since that time, even... As Jesus walked the shores of Galilee, the devil tried to to kill him and tried to, to, to stamp him out and so on and so forth. And even as Jesus died upon the cross, I believe the devil danced around with glee. And he thought that he was going to throw you and me into a fiery sea. But you, you must realize that Jesus was on the cross at the hand of God, at the will of God. 
And the Bible said had the princes and the demons and, and, and the demonic hordes known and had the devil known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory, you see. But Jesus died upon the cross, was buried, he was raised from the dead on the third day. And how many of you are glad that he was? And he came out of the tomb and all of that. But ever since that time, even to the present, the devil has continued to do his level best to stamp out everything that has to do with Jesus, the Christ. You must remember that we are known as Christians. We bear the the name of Jesus, you see. And so the devil is not just only after Jesus, but he's after everyone and everything that represents Jesus Christ. The devil is not only after after you and me, but he's, have you ever noticed, he's after the manger scenes, isn't he, in this land? And, and what drives that? That's the spirit of Antichrist, trying to get everything that has to do with, with Jesus Christ eliminated and obliterated from, from not only the society in which we live, but from the entire planet, the entire globe. I don't think anyone could deny that the devil has worked and done his level best to eliminate Jesus from the society in which we live. How many of you know that the public schools won't even call it Christmas break anymore, but they call it the holiday break or something of that nature? Is that correct? What, what is that? That's the spirit of Antichrist that's, that's at work, trying to eliminate and do away with all that is representative of, of Jesus Christ. Even now as I listen to the... Uh, uh, radio stations anymore that used to play uh, what we would call Christmas music. Now, you know, it's very hard anymore even to find a, 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 a station that will play songs that declare Jesus and, and the Christ, but rather they play Frosty the Snowman and, and all of that. And don't misunderstand, I, don't, I enjoy Frosty the Snowman and, and I enjoy Burl Ives singing Have a Holly Jolly Christmas. Don't misunderstand me, but I tell you what, we must never uh, forget that it's Jesus who is the reason, as they say, for the season, and, and we must keep him involved in Christmas. Can you say amen? But, but you must understand that the devil has worked overtime and done his level best to remove Jesus from, 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 from existence and from acknowledgement. What is that? That's the spirit of Antichrist that John said was already operating in the world even 2,000 years ago and how much more even today. Jesus himself said, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And we have seen that. Many have come in the name of Christ, saying that they are Christ or that they are the Messiah. We've seen many false prophets arise. And not only that, we've seen the Hamans and the Hitlers arise. How many of you know Adolf Hitler operated under the spirit and by the spirit of the Antichrist? Now, he was not the Antichrist. Some thought that he was, but he wasn't. But we must understand he was an evil man, a demon-possessed man. And he operated under the power of the devil and under the uh, uh, spirit of the Antichrist, Adolf Hitler did. And you can see that because he tried to eliminate the Jews, did he not? 
And from the Jews came forth, as you and I both know, Jesus Christ. And that was the main reason that Hitler, say whatever else you will, but that was the main reason that he wanted to eliminate the Jews is because Jesus came and defeated the devil through his death, burial, and resurrection. And the devil's still mad about that. He's still angry over that. And that's why Adolf Hitler came so against the Jews as he did was because he had that spirit of antichrist, that which is against Jesus. And so we read from 1 John that it is the last hour And the Bible said that the Antichrist is coming. Now, some said it was Hitler and some have made argument for other dictators and and, and evil men over the years that they've said that that was the Antichrist. Some said Alexander the Great and different ones, but you must, some said it was Nebuchadnezzar, but you must realize that none of these men Though they operated under the spirit and by the spirit of Antichrist, they were not the Antichrist who is yet to come. Now you might ask and you might say, well, pastor, who is the Antichrist? What, what, what is his name? Well, we do not know his name specifically, except that the Bible calls him, among other things, the beast, the man of sin, the son of perdition, the little horn, the abomination of desolation. And there's other things that the scripture refers to him as. Those are just a sampling of a few. And so we don't know his specific name, though he is referred to, as I said, the beast, the man of sin, the son of perdition, the little horn, the abomination of desolation. Now, he does have a number. And that number can be found in Revelation chapter 13, verse 18. Revelation chapter 13, verse 18, if you wouldn't mind turning there with me. And we'll see that the Bible tells us what his number is. Revelation 13 and 18, here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. That's talking about the Antichrist. For it is the number of a man, his number is, what is it? It is six, six. Six, 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 six. Now, some would say, where does he come from? Where, from where does he arise? Where does he come from? Well, from the book of Daniel and a study of history as it, as it pertains to Alexander the Great and his four generals, a strong argument can be made that the Antichrist will come from the region of Syria, Iran, or Iraq. And he will likely be a Jew. What are his characteristics? What are his characteristics? The book of Daniel says that he will, be, he, he will have a mouth which speaks pompous words And he will have an appearance which is greater than his fellows. Now, what does that mean? He will have a mouth that when he speaks, it will absolutely hold people spellbound. He will have oratory skills. Uh, 
Did you ever see Adolf Hitler in any of those old speeches from years ago when he addressed those crowds and you could see at times that the devil would just rise up in him and come on him and he'd go into that crazed cadence and he would speak and and the crowds would just be spellbound and how many of you have ever seen any and and this man is going to be far worse than Adolf Hitler. The Bible says that the Antichrist's appearance will be greater than his fellows. What that means is that he will have a look about him that will be so austere and so captivating that even as Hitler in those demonic crazed moments when he'd address those crowds and hold them spellbound and that that, that austere look that he had, that this man will have that look and even more so. He'll speak pompous words and his appearance will be greater than his fellows. The Bible also says in the book of Daniel that this man that's coming known as the Antichrist shall not regard the desire of women. Now, there's two ways you could look at that. In Israel, back before the birth of Jesus Christ, the desire of all the maidens of Israel was to be the one that would be the virgin to bring forth the Son of God. So when we say the Antichrist does not regard the desire of women, we could say that he is totally opposed and against the virgin birth. You must realize that anyone who stands and and vehemently proclaims that Jesus was not born of a virgin, what they're really saying is that Jesus didn't come in the flesh, he wasn't born of a virgin. When they say that, they're, they're, they're operating under the spirit of the Antichrist. So when the Bible says that this man coming known as the Antichrist will not regard the desire of women, it could mean that he's opposed to the virgin birth. The second view is that when the Bible says in the book of Daniel that he does not regard the desire of women, it could mean that he's a homosexual. And I personally think that that could well be. I do not know that he will be a homosexual, but it would not surprise me in the least. Now, how does this man that's coming, known as the Antichrist, how does he rise to power? The Bible again says in the book of Daniel that he shall come in peaceably. Peaceably. He will come on the scene not as a warrior, but he will come in peaceably, the Bible says. He'll rise on the scene as a peacemaker. He'll come to bring peace Peace, you see, and, and that is how he will rise into power. The Bible also says that he will seize the kingdom and his rule by intrigue. What that simply means is that as he speaks, he'll hold people spellbound. The Bible also says with this mouth that he's been given, empowered by the devil, he'll speak hypocritical flatteries. In other words, he'll say one thing and do another. He'll stand before the mass crowds and he'll speak and he'll hold them spellbound and everything that he he's saying is a lie, but yet they'll believe a lie. You know, the Bible says you can believe a lie and be damned. Did you know that? And he'll, with these pompous words and these hypocritical flatteries, he will draw so many, 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 many people to himself and he will be believed. Now, the Antichrist... You say, what is he going to do? He's going to do something that no one else has ever been able to do, bring peace to the Middle East. 
bring peace to the Middle East. I'm not talking about a little peace agreement here or a ceasefire between Israel and Gaza. How many of you know the Middle East is in turmoil? How many of you know that, that this little ceasefire that they have is just a piddly-diddly thing? Uh, we're talking about the, the Middle East is in turmoil and, it, and, and, and there may be times of little quieting, but you know, ever since I've been a kid and before that, there, it rises up and then it might quiet down a little bit, but it rises up. This man is going to come in and he's going to be able to finally bring peace to the Middle East. Notice Daniel 9, verse 27. Daniel 9, verse 27, if you would. Daniel 9, verse 27 says, He, that's talking about the Antichrist, shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. He'll confirm a covenant or a treaty. A peace treaty actually is what this is. He'll confirm a peace treaty with many for one week. Now that doesn't mean a one week period like you and I would think of a, of a week of seven days. But as you study it out, it actually means seven years. And he'll confirm a covenant with many for one week. But that one week actually, as you study it out, it means seven years. And he will bring peace to the Middle East and he will sign a peace peace treaty and the, the Israelites will be in on it. Israel will be in on it as well as, as the nations of the Middle East and he will confirm a covenant, a peace agreement for seven years. Now you need to realize that as I just said, the Antichrist will be accepted by Israel as their Messiah. You need to realize that, that by and large Israel has rejected the Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. There has been a remnant of them that received him, but by and large as a whole, Israel, even to this present hour, has rejected the Christ. They're still looking for their Messiah. And that man is about to arise on the scene known as the Antichrist, and they will be accepted as a whole by Israel. Jesus made the statement speaking to Israel, and he said, I have come in my father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. And they will receive the Antichrist, and they will declare him to be their long-awaited Messiah. Actually, as I study it out, I know that, that the Muslims are looking for a Messiah as well. And it's very likely that this man that arises as the Antichrist will have an appeal not only to the Jews, but have an appeal to the Muslims. And in some way, shape, form, or fashion, he's going to be able to bring peace and compromise and peace to the situation of the Middle East. You need to realize that this Antichrist is a counterfeit. Real loud, say counterfeit. He, he, he's a counterfeit. Actually, in the book of Revelation, you can see there that, that in, you don't have to turn there, but in chapter 6, he comes riding on a white horse. You see, many think that that's Jesus, but that's not Jesus. As you look in and you study it, uh, the Antichrist, and it's symbolic. He comes riding there in the book of Revelation chapter 6 on a white horse, you see. And that's, that, that's it, 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 symbolic of counter, counterfeit. He's a counter, real out, say counterfeit. counterfeit. Yeah, he, he, he's a counterfeit. Actually, as you study into it, you'll see that at a certain point, and we'll read a scripture in a moment that, that, that 
gives uh, reference to it, but there's going to be something happen at some point where he's going to be assassinated. We'll see it in the Bible here in just a moment, where he's going to be assassinated and raised from the dead. He's going to be, in a, he's going to be assassinated somehow and raised from the dead. The dead. See, counterfeit. Do you know anybody else that, that was put to death and raised from the dead? Oh, yeah. See, so, so he's trying to counterfeit. And that may be perhaps the linchpin that, that, that allows him to ultimately be accepted uh, uh, by, by, the, by the Jews. I, I don't know. But, but he's a counterfeit, you see. An absolute counterfeit. And notice right here, as he, as he comes to power, as he comes in peaceably, comes in as a peacemaker... Speaking words, telling people what they want to hear, though though they're lies, but yet telling people what they want to hear. Holding crowds, spellbound, and and, and even over television as he'll speak through the television cameras. And and as as that spirit of Antichrist that's already on much of the media that we know of in this hour, that'll just get worse and worse. And I'm telling you, the media will even receive him and accept him and declare him to be the Christ. And so for three and a half years, the Bible is clear. As a man of peace, he'll bring peace to the Middle East. There'll be peace there. But something happens in the middle of the week. Notice here in Daniel 9, 27, as we read on, but in the middle of the week, real loud say middle of the week, In the middle of the week, that means at the three and a half year mark, three and a half years of peace, but in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. What does that mean? That means that he's going to be peaceable with the Jews. He's going to allow them to to resume their temple worship and sacrifice and offering that they had in the old covenant, you know. And he's going to allow that, but at the three and a half year mark, he's going to bring an end to that. And he's going to go into the temple, which from my study is going to have to be built where the dome of the rock is. Now, how many of you know that's the dome of the rock? That's where the the Muslims, and how that's all going to happen, I don't know. But nonetheless, God knows, and I believe God. And how all the details work out, I don't know. But I do know that the Bible says in the middle of the week, He'll bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And in the middle of the week, notice 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 4. Notice what this man of sin is going to do in the middle of the week. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 4. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 4. Notice what he does in the middle of the week. Notice this. It says, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. That's what he's going to do in the middle of the week. He's going to turn his back on the Jews. He's going to double cross them. He's going to turn on them and he's going to stand up and he's going to declare himself as almighty God. Now, if you go to Daniel 11, verse 37, turn over there with me if you would, because this will give us a little bit more of what this man known as the Antichrist is going to do. Daniel 11, verse 37, he's going to stand up in the temple 
and he's going to declare himself as almighty God. And in Daniel 11, verse 37, says, He, the Antichrist, shall regard neither the God of his fathers. Now that's interesting, the God of his fathers. This is why I believe, among other things I could say, but this is one of the reasons I believe that he's likely going to be a Jew. First of all, if he wasn't a Jew, I do not believe that the Israelites, the Jewish people, would accept him as their Messiah. But also it talks about that he will regard neither the God of his fathers, which makes implication here that the God of his fathers was Jehovah, but he doesn't regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, which I mentioned a moment ago, nor regard any God, for he shall exalt himself above them all. But in their place he shall honor a God of fortresses, you see, military might, and a God which his fathers did not know, not Jehovah. Could that be Allah? Very possibly. He shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and pleasant things. Notice verse 39. Thus he shall act against the strongest fortresses. Does anybody know which nation on earth is the most powerful nation? It's the United States of America. The Bible says he shall act against the strongest fortresses. No doubt coming against the United States and Great Britain and whatnot. And notice how he's going to do it. He's going to do it with a foreign God. With a foreign God. Foreign, foreign God. Could that be Allah? Very possibly. He shall act against the strongest fortresses with a foreign God, which he shall acknowledge and, and, and advance its glory. And he shall cause them to rule over many. And notice this, and divide what? The land for gain. More than likely talking about Israel. You know, it's a dangerous thing when they start dividing that land up. It's not the will of God. He doesn't want the land of Israel to be, to be divided up. He gave it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all those years ago. And God does not want that land divided up. And anybody that divides it up, I don't care who it is, even if it's a president of the United States, anybody that divides that land up, they do it at their own peril because they come crosswise with Almighty God. But this Antichrist, when he comes on the scene, he's going to do some land dividing. And ultimately it will be to his peril as we'll see. What else is this man of sin? What else is he going to do? Go to Revelation 13, if you would, in verse 11. Revelation 13 and verse 11. Revelation 13 and verse 11. Turn there if you would. Revelation 13, verse 11, the apostle John on the Isle of Patmos, given this vision, notice what he says here. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. You need to realize that one, the, the, the main beast that we see as we study along these lines is the man known as the Antichrist, the man with the number 666. But also there's going to be another man referred to as a beast that will come on the scene. And, and he's known as the false 
prophet, the false prophet. And this man will operate in conjunction with the Antichrist and he will be his religious leader under what will more than likely be a one world religion, you see. And notice this in Revelation 13, 11, then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. That's talking not about the Antichrist now, but about this man known as the false prophet who, as I said, works in conjunction with the Antichrist. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. See, that's the Antichrist. Who's, now watch this. Whose deadly wound was what? Was healed. Whose deadly wound was healed. And there's another scripture I could tie in right here, which, which evidently the Antichrist, as he comes to power, will be assassinated and then raised up whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs. This is talking about the false prophet so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he is, was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast. Let's make an image of the Antichrist, he'll say, who was wounded by the sword, see, and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name, which we know is 666. Think about it. In that hour, a person will not be able to buy, will not be able to sell, will not be able to do any, 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 any commerce, any business. The stock market there on Wall Street will not be able to exist and go on very likely unless people have a mark in their right hand or their forehead. Think of it. Think of it. And anyone that will not receive that mark in their right hand or their forehead will be put to death. This Antichrist, what is his ultimate aim? His ultimate aim will be to take over the entire earth. Now I've told you much about the Antichrist right now and so if I were sitting there where you're sitting, I would think to myself, when is this man going to come on the scene? When is he going to be revealed? And I've got an answer for you, and it's found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6. When will this man of sin, when will this son of perdition, when will this lawless one, when will this antichrist, when will he come on the scene? When will this, this mark of the beast, when will it be, when will it come, when, when, when? But look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6, and the Holy Ghost tells us through the Apostle Paul when it's going to be. Notice, and now you know what is restraining. The implication is, is restraining the Antichrist from being released. That he may be revealed in his own time. Notice this, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. We've already said that. The spirit of Antichrist is already at work in the earth. 
Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Real loud say taken out of the way. Taken out of the way. way. And then, and then, real loud say and then. And then the lawless one will be revealed. When will the lawless one be revealed? When he is taken out of the way. Well, who is taken out of the way? Well, look, I don't have three hours here, but I do have 25 plus years of Bible study on this. And I'd like to propose to you that the one that must be taken out of the way is the Holy Ghost empowered church. Can anybody say amen? The Holy Ghost empowered church. I believe it's clear from scripture that this man of sin, this antichrist will not be able to be revealed upon the earth until the body of Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is is taken out of the way. Right now there's something restraining him. There's something holding him back. There's something that's keeping him from being released. And the thing that's keeping him from being released is the church of all mighty God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, Christians who are fired up with the power of the Holy Ghost, pulpits that are on fire with the power of the Holy Ghost. We are restraining him and we are keeping him from being released. But I tell you what, there's going to come a moment where the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we here alive and remain will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord and when can you say amen and when we're taken up then the Holy Ghost empowered church will be taken out of the earth and I wouldn't want to be here one five seconds after the church is taken out we are the light of the world Jesus shining in us Jesus said we were the light of the world we're the salt of the earth And once that's gone, the Antichrist will be free to rise to power. You can see it even in the book of Revelation as chapter 1 is an introductory chapter. Chapters 2 and 3 have to do with the church on the earth. Chapter 4, John, a type of the church, he was in the spirit on the Lord's day, a man full of faith, full of power, full of the Holy Ghost. And the Lord said, come up. He heard as a trumpet said, come up. And he was caught up to the throne of God. And then he's a type of the church. Once the church is taken out, then in chapter 6, we see that white horse rider, that Antichrist, come forth. I've got some good news for you. The Antichrist is coming, but he cannot be released until born-again believers have been raptured or caught out of the earth. Can you say amen? Glory to God. That's some good news, by the way. Now, what will be the Antichrist end? I've already told you what he was going to do. I can't tell you all of it because I don't think you want to stay here for 16 days, but I'm just giving you the highlights. But what will be his end? How will he, what will be his demise? Second Thessalonians, you're right there. Chapter 2, verse 8. It gives us some insight. Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy 
with the brightness of his coming. Glory to God. You see, there's that seven-year period. Remember, we talked about that seven-year period. Before that seven-year period begins and that covenant, that treaty is signed, the church is raptured out. The church is caught out of the earth, taken to heaven, glory to God. Then the Antichrist comes on the scene as a peacemaker and, and will bring peace. But in the middle of that week, he'll turn his back on Israel and he'll become the beast, the man of sin, the Antichrist. And he'll wreak havoc upon the earth for the last three and a half years of that tribulation period you know and at the end of that seven year period the Bible says the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming you see all of the armies of the earth will be gathered to the Middle East at the end of that seven-year tribulation period. All the armies of the earth will be gathered to the Middle East, to the Valley of Megiddo to fight Almighty God and finally eliminate Israel from existence at what is known the Battle of Armageddon. Look, if you would, at Revelation 19, verse 11, and let me just show you what's going to happen here to the Antichrist. As I begin to close this message, notice this. Revelation 19, verse 11. As all of the armies of the earth are gathered because the Bible says that there'll be, there'll be a demon spirit go out of the mouth of the devil and go out of the mouth of the Antichrist and another one go out of the mouth of the false prophet and they'll go out to the four corners of the earth and they'll begin to draw the armies of the earth to the Middle East, you see, to the Valley of Megiddo to fight Almighty God and to finally eliminate Israel. You see, we're talking about Antichrist. Jesus came up out of Israel and to finally eliminate Israel from existence at the Battle of Armageddon. How will the Antichrist come to an end? Notice Revelation 19, verse 11. John says, Now I saw heaven opened. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. Now, this isn't the white horse that you see in Revelation 6. That was a counterfeit. That was one the Antichrist was riding, but there's somebody else riding this white horse. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Glory to God. That's talking about the armies in heaven. Yes, an angelic army, all right, but that's talking also about an army of saints. How did, that's talking about you and me. How did we get to heaven? We got there seven years earlier in what's known as the rapture of the church, which I just shared with you. That's when Jesus came and he doesn't touch his feet down upon the earth, but he comes and catches us up unto him. But now seven years later, he's coming back on the white horse. Glory to God. And this time he is going to set his feet down and he's going to have some war going on. Can you say amen? 
and we're going to be with him in the armies in heaven, verse 14, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him. How did we get white and clean? Because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Followed him on white horses. Get you some riding lessons because you're going to be doing some riding in the future. Glory to God. And out of his mouth, a sharp sword. That's the word of God with which it should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. King of kings, Lord of lords. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And I might add that that that's what he's going to have written on his thigh, king of kings and Lord of lords. But he's also the bread of life. Praise God. He's the bright and the morning star. He's the captain of salvation. He's the chief shepherd. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the commander in chief. Glory to God. I don't care who they elect into Washington, D.C. We got a commander in chief coming from heaven. Can you say amen? He's the day star, the deliverer, the door, Emmanuel, eternal life, faithful and true, Pharisee among 10,000, firstborn from the dead, foundation, friend of sinners, good shepherd, head of the church, high priest, lamb of God, light of the world, lily of the valley, lion of the tribe of Judah, the mediator between God and man, the Messiah, the morning star, the most holy, the only begotten of the Father, the prince of peace, the redeemer, the resurrection and the life, the righteous judge, the rock of our salvation, the rose of Sharon, the son of man, the son of God, God the son, the sure foundation, the way the truth and the life the one who was who is who is to come the one who speaks with authority who fed the multitudes who walked on the water calmed the storm cleansed the leper raised the dead gave sight to the blind dethroned principalities and powers baptizes in the holy ghost the alpha the omega the first the last the same yesterday today and forever can you say amen glory to god praise god forevermore Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo. Amen. Stand with me if you would. Hallelujah. And give him a shout and praise him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise God. And just when the devil thinks he's going to destroy the people of God once and for all, that one I just told you about comes. Woo! Hallelujah. Glory to God. And as you stand with me in the presence of God, In Revelation 19 and 19, and they'll have it on the screen. Revelation 19 and 19. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two, talking about the Antichrist and the false prophet, these two were cast alive into the lake of fire 
burning with brimstone. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 All praise him and thank him. That he 